Howdy. Welcome to another episode of Canon Calls. This week, I'm talking with New St. Andrews President Dr. Ben Merkel about the brand new series, The Commons, from New St. Andrews and Canon Press. You can now watch that series for free on mycanonplus.com today. Without further ado, meet Dr. Ben Merkel. Dr. Ben Merkel, welcome. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, so I wanted to have you on because NSA and Canon are joining to bring something called the Commons. Yes. And I wanted to talk more about that. It's something we talked about in the summer and I've been super excited about. So can you tell us what is the pitch for NSA, the Commons? Yeah. Okay. So one of the most common questions I get is um, uh, somebody who says, listen, um, I'm 35. I'm not coming to NSA. I'm in my career. I'm I'm running my family, so I'm not going to be an NSA student. But what right. could I do to get what NSA gives? You know, what what's yep. the remedial version? And <clears throat> there there isn't a version like that that we can just give out. But yep. I would say one of the things that I notice most about NSA grads is the fact that they um or, or one of the the results of the NSA education is that it tends to make the graduates into lifelong learners, lifelong readers. Okay. Um, there are students um, who just um, are constantly picking up a book and figuring it out. I mean, I think that's one of the virtues of a really good liberal arts education is not just that it teaches you certain subjects, but it teaches you how to be someone who learns. So that kind of lifelong learning impulse is something that is that is inculcated in that intense four years where you're really turned into the kind of person who feels comfortable just grabbing something and and learning it, um, and so so I, the Commons is kind of an attempt to um, give a little version of that, where basically we're taking key NSA texts, you know, texts that have been definitive of the NSA education for a while, and then I'm getting one of the teachers who's taught that subject for a while, and having them just walk me through it. So I'm the okay. student. Okay. And they are walking me through it. And what I'm hoping people get is, is that, you know, that they would be reading along at home, listening to the text unpacked. And maybe you kind of get a little bit of that momentum of being somebody who's comfortable just grabbing a book in a genre that you're completely unfamiliar with. You don't know anything about, but you're, you're not scared of it and you would just pick it up and read right. it. So that's what I, we're trying to create. Okay. So what would be, so I believe the trailer at this point is dropped and I think it, it, um, it was uh, Lewis's Mere Christianity. Probably, yes. So what is maybe, what's what's another one? What's what's What else are you guys looking at? Well, so through? far we've finished Mere Christianity with Lewis, okay. uh, and that's Doug Wilson walking okay. me through it. Um, and then I just finished uh, Abolition of Man with Doug as well. Okay. And we're going to do um, uh, The Great Divorce okay. uh, next. And, and that's just so fun because Doug is like the epitome of... Um, Doug on C.S. Lewis, Doug yeah. is so um, just saturated with Lewis that he just sits there and and he's connecting all of Lewis's thought to every little page. Yeah. And, and also particularly, I mean, doing Abolition of Man this morning was so fantastic because of how connected it is to our current cultural moment and, and him unpacking and, and applying it is just really interesting where he really sees Lewis as the prophet who told us why we are where we are, and yeah. I think can unpack him that way. I feel like that one's a good one because mere Christianity may be one where, so far what you described of what the commons will achieve 
mm-hmm. mere Christianity may be like, well, just about everybody in my aunt yeah. has done that. But abolition of man, for those who are just like, I'm a mere Christianity Lewis person and a Narnia Lewis person, abolition of man maybe people's like first introduction to sort of a denser Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, if you're not accustomed to that level of, of reading, um, like I, I remember as a, a U- university of Idaho graduate, um, getting, um, it was Francis Schaeffer's escape from reason teeny little book. And I, I remember having to reread every page like yeah. three or four times because of, um, and now I look at it and it's, it's not that tough, sure. but at the time, because I was not accustomed to that kind of reading, yep. I could not figure it out. And I would just have to reread each paragraph. I don't know how many times until I kind of understood it yep. and moved forward. And I could see abolition of man being like that, right. but it's so, um, appropriate to describing exactly our, our current cultural moment and what's going on that I think it's really critical. I mean, yep. Doug's closing exhortation is get your pastors to read abolition of man reread it and reread it so they understand yep. what we're doing right now. So, okay. So that's interesting. You, you set it up and I was thinking in terms of primarily, uh, you're going to have a professor take me through like Aristotle or something that would seem like totally foreign, yeah. but it also seems like there's like a, a Lewis track part of this. Well, I'm, I'm just, we are kind of working our way a little bit haphazardly through what would be interesting. So okay. I'm just picking texts yep. that I think are, um, sort of seminal texts with some, an instructor who's fantastic at it. So the other one that we're in the middle of right now is um, we're a little over halfway through Herodotus okay. with uh, Dr. Chris Schlecht, awesome. who has taught Herodotus for, I think maybe 25 years now. Wow. Um, so again, somebody who, who yep. knows it backwards and forward and can just sit and unpack it for you. And Herodotus is interesting. It's not like, it's not like Lewis where Lewis is like a prophet about what's happening right now. Right. Herodotus is more, um, he's kind of the father of history. He's like one of our first um, deliberate attempts to be a historian. And that's what I think um, Dr. Schlecht is particularly good at is not just, I mean, you're unpacking what's going on, but I think Dr. Schlecht is really interested in the, the craft of historiography, like what it means to be a historian. So yep. you get just a lot of really interesting observations about what is going through Herodotus's mind and how we think about nations and wars and whatnot because of what Herodotus is doing. Yep. We're looking forward. I'm looking at um, Augustine's Confessions or okay. Augustine, uh, yeah. depending. Which one is it? Again? Uh, I'm an Augustine guy, but okay. I'm sure that by the time I'm done, I'm looking at going through that with uh, Dr. Tim Harmon. Okay. And I'm pretty sure he's an Augustine guy and I'm okay. sure that he'll have me like intimidate, <laughs> intimidated into Augustine yeah. by the end. Okay. Um, uh, looking at, um, I'd like to uh, tackle Virgil's Aeneid. Um, there's just a number of texts like that, that will, that we have on the horizon that we'll start walking our way through. So in terms of there's that virtue that you were talking about that NSA students can sort of bravely go into unknown territories and not be lost. Right. Um, there's an interesting, even as you were talking, you know, this is sort of, I assume you're doing this because it feels like there's a need of the hour for people to, to have something like this, even if they can't come out. Mm-hmm. Um, what always strikes me about, especially with conversations with you that I've seen that I appreciate is, uh, this kind of education isn't a, I want to do business. So I'm going to go get this business degree right? so that we don't necessarily think education serves as a one for one, but that doesn't mean there's not a certain cash out that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So even as you're talking about Herodotus and 
I imagine there's a lot of helpful pieces to that, but they don't necessarily present themselves very obviously. Uh-huh. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, there's there's mm. things that you're benefiting from, but not directly, maybe. Yeah, I think, okay, so I, I've got to step back and think a little bit on Herodotus. I mean, for, first of all, um, when you when you get um, texts like that, there is a... Um, you know, there's a there's a habit that a lot of the students have of the commonplace book, where where you're um, just writing down interesting little quotes. Yeah. And, and Herodotus has these great um, observations, uh, turns of phrases that that I, that I think are just worth kind of if being copious and and collecting yep. um, observations about death and war and family and tragedy. Um, Herodotus is so interesting because um, he's he's an utter pagan. He's I mean, we're not coming from a Christian sure. view at all. And I think that that um, that ability to um, to sort of digest a culture through those eyes for a moment, it, it's helpful. Just the 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 kind of bird's eye view it gives you of the world and humanity yep. that, that I think is is really helpful. I think it's also um, I, I would love to get um, Dr. Schlecht to kind of un- unpack that question because he is he is just a wealth of pointing out these things that you didn't quite catch sure. about how. Um, how do you think about what what does it mean to unpack a people? Is it a story of their kings, a story of their wars? I mean, Herodotus has this weird thing where he's also going to always tell you about like their food, their gods, and what their marriages are like. Um, <laughs> okay, you know, you know, yeah. So, so yeah. Um, whereas we're like, you know, what kind of music do you listen to? What? Uh, yep. So, so those kinds of just, um, I don't know, helping you to to um, have bigger eyes to see yep. the world through that I think is is just really helpful. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, because I, I imagine even beyond Herodotus or anything that you guys are going to go through, mm-hmm. you said Virgil's Aeneid. I mean, there's just things um, that I enjoy about the education uh-huh. that don't always seem very obvious to folks. Yeah, uh, in that one for one mindset. I I remember um, this was uh, just recently. I was talking to uh, Mr. Griffith, our Latin teacher, who I'm. Um, I, I need to be careful because I'm not sure that I've actually convinced him to do the Aeneid with me yet. Okay. But um, so nobody tell him that I'm planning okay. this. But um, we were we were just speaking and, and um we were talking about this uh guy, a mutual acquaintance of ours who where where you see this life kind of falling apart in this um midlife crisis as men <laughs> okay, men yeah. men my age yeah, are, sure. are 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 prone to and we uh, we were walking through this this um uh this moment and and the 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 pressures and the tensions are there and there are there are things that you can cultivate in your life and and he started. Ob, uh, making this observation that um, he, w- he was saying, you know, there there are things you can cultivate where these make you into the kind of man that can dominate other men, um, and and he's unpacking this through his wealth of Latin literature, which was yeah. really interesting, and and he's saying there's things that can make you the kind of man that can dominate other men, or there's things you can cultivate that make you into the kind of man that when you die your family is 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 surrounding you, you know, and and he was saying, and I. Those are the kind of things I, I want to start cultivating, and it's, it's just this observation <laughs> yeah, from right. from classical literature about the kind of man that you want to be. Yeah. And I get those little tidbits all the time yep. from these kinds of readings and conversations. That's awesome. Okay, so we would look. We'll look forward to him for sure doing. Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, so those are some of the things that you mentioned will translate in the commons, and hopefully, that's what people are benefiting from mm-hmm. from the podcast i assume we're right. calling it um what are things so looking broader i imagine um that's sort of what's best in certain circumstances in a perfect world 
where folks could come to New St. Andrews. Uh, maybe in light of the comments, what are things that you think are really valuable about New St. Andrews that won't translate through uh, an online course? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, because you're you're not getting the same thing as, as NSA education. I sure. think one of the things that is most um, missing is um, when you get an online something, you're 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 downloading, um, but at NSA sooner or later you have to write the paper or yep. you have to come to the recitation and get up and speak. Yep. And you have to you have to give your own answer that's going to then be taken apart and yep. shown where it where it falls short. Yeah. Um and that can be a really um difficult process because you can feel kind of gutted afterwards when when you know I put my heart and soul in this and just ripped it to shreds. Yep. Um but it is such a formative um such a formative thing. Um, and so I, I think it's probably you being able to be an active participant in, or you being expected to be an active participant in and having your answers evaluated and shaped and whatnot. That's probably one of the the biggest things. Yeah. So NSA, maybe more than others, there's a lot of talk about like the kind of person you will become Mm -hmm. or you're, you're actually, it's actually just sort of a, you know, you are taking yourself into Meineke. And yeah. being worked on and other things of that nature. Yeah. Well, one of the other things I would add okay. about that that's missing. Okay. Um, so if I ask an NSA student or alum, you know, like what was the most formative thing about their NSA education? Right. Invariably, they'll sit there and look for a moment and then they'll kind of in an embarrassed and somewhat sheepish way say to me, actually, it probably isn't the school, it's the community. Yep. Um, okay. And I think they feel embarrassed because like somehow that'll like disappoint me because yeah. I, I want the sure. school to be- sure. um, but I, I completely agree with that sentiment. Okay. It, it's it's not just that it's not just that you you heard uh, you know say Tim Harmon explain this element of uh, the confessions and say Augustine instead of Augustine. Yeah. Um, it's that you you heard it around his dining room table. Uh, you hung out with his family. You worshipped on Sunday morning uh, with those same families, and uh, you had that guy to ask. Um, could you give me your input on this romantic relationship I'm contemplating? Sure. Um, it's the fact that you're living in that community that spills yep. over into the rest of life, that that really is what makes the education what it is. Got it. Um, so, okay. How, how have you, so you became president in 2015. Is that correct? Ish. That sounds believable. Yes. How, I'm curious to see. So I I arrived in Moscow in 2016. How have you seen uh, New St. Andrews grow? Is has there been things that, and maybe not even grow necessarily? Like I'm asking like quantity, but I'm saying like, have you seen it? What have you seen? Is it as it matured? Is there things that are mm-hmm. unique about? I think the thing the thing that's been interesting for me has been um, maybe not so much seeing NSA change, but seeing. Um, so NSA started in 94. Okay. My wife was in that very first class. Okay. And actually, here's a um, bit of trivia for you. I was in that first class. Were you? Well, I was a U I never I, hear about that part. Yeah, I was a U of I <laughs> student. Um, I was a student at the University of Idaho um, studying chemistry education. Okay. And um, uh, But I got to know Doug actually through um, lacrosse. I started the U of I lacrosse club, and okay. Doug was coaching the Logos lacrosse team. And he and I would get together okay. and whatnot to talk lacrosse. So, anyhow, that's that was my first connection to Doug was actually through the sport of lacrosse, and and through that, <laughs> I think I, a lot of people would love to maybe get an inside track on like Doug's lacrosse. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, you know, commentary. Well, 
through that, I got I heard about the launch of New St. Andrews. And at okay. the time, I really liked the idea of learning biblical Greek, and I heard they were offering Greek. Okay. So that very first year, I stepped in and took Greek at NSA. Okay. And that's actually where I met Becca. First time I met her was in, in Greek class. In Greek class, yeah. I showed up on my motorcycle as a U of I student amongst all the NSA guys. And, and I love that. Yeah. Nice. Rest is history. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyhow. Um, motorcycle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Guys, it's really important. Yeah, a motorcycle, motorcycle leather jacket. Yeah. You would not believe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, anyhow. Uh, so I've, I've seen NSA um, from the very early years um, and seen that the curriculum, the teachers, and a lot about that's the same. And probably a lot has changed as well. But it's really the last five years or seven years, I guess now it is, uh, for me, the thing that I've noticed is because I'm president now, now I spend all this time leaving Moscow. And so most of my observation is, is not so much seeing what's happening here. It's more seeing what's happening nationwide. Okay. And what's really fun is showing up in random parts of the U.S., and having a bunch of alums gathered together nice. and getting to see what they're doing there and seeing how what's happened here is translating to all these different places where schools are started, churches are started, families are growing, businesses and whatnot, but it's all an extension of what was happening here. And I don't think that we in Moscow necessarily, because we're so much um, producing media and sending stuff yep. out, yep. Um, it's fun to go on the other end and see actually they've gone out and they've started They're doing all of these things. And now, you know, and, and this is, this is the thing I always think is funny. And I try to remind the faculty members is um, a lot of times you'll have like a student who, you know, we'll, we'll pick on some young guy who's a total numbskull all the way through. I know him. Always a yeah, yeah, yeah. pain and a, and a yeah. smart aleck and, and laid on everything and whatnot. Um, and you just like, what hope is there for you? And then, <laughs> What you find out is like somewhere in like that last month of school, or maybe it's six months after they left NSA, it turns out all that work was doing something. And, and these guys are now like elders in their church, their, their husbands, their fathers, their successful businessmen, and they're thriving and they're, and, and all, and they attribute it to what they got at NSA and nobody yeah. back at NSA knew that they, they were getting yep. any of that. Yep. And so I, I actually think the alums, I mean, I, I'm just so encouraged to see the fruitfulness and the faithfulness that's out there that maybe we didn't get to see when, when they yeah. were students, right. but it, right. it's, it's out there now. That's awesome. How, how would you just, so you mentioned they at least are like uh, adventurous intellectually is one way you described that. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like industrious. It, can you talk a little bit more about NSA grads, I assume that's a, probably a question you get from parents all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The, the question always is what, but what do you do? <laughs> what do you yeah. do with that? It was yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago. I'm driving through the, uh, um, what is it? The, the coffee drive through Dutch brothers. Oh, nice. And, uh, the, the barista, you know, the, I don't know what this new thing is. It's like over the last 10 years, we're like just really obnoxiously nosy about you and your day and all yes. of your doings. Very loud too. It's yeah. like the volume is up. And she's, she's like, so what are you doing? Where do you work? What do you, and, uh, and I was like, I meant new St. Andrews and I know like the Moscow liberal community, yeah. I've already put my foot in it. Sure. And she's like, so what's your job there? I'm the president. And, and it's just getting more and more awkward. Yeah. And then she says, um, so what do they do with that degree? <laughs> and I wanted at this point to say, well, most of them are just baristas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, yeah. But that, that is that is really the question. Yeah, that's yeah. the question I always get. Like, what do you do with that degree? Because it yeah. sounds like the would you like prize for that job? And the the difficult the difficult thing is I I honestly don't have a compelling answer because the answer is really well kind of a lot of things you know like whatever really um because i don't see a place where it's like all the nsa students have taken this degree and then gotten that job right like our degree is not our degree does not function as a guarantee of that job which is i think like most colleges try to brand their degrees our degree is a guarantee of an education and what you do with it is um, is is, is yours and what I've seen students do with it is any number of things um, from uh, going on, getting an MBA and then a very successful career in high finance um, or going on and producing films, writing stories, going on, being a teacher, going on, being a pastor, being a mom, being a, um, an entrepreneurial businessman. Yep. It, it's, it's kind of all over. But the thing that I would say that I, I think is shared by most of them is a, a versatility and an entrepreneurial kind of, um, I don't need to follow one particular established freeway. I can make use of this for a moment, but I feel totally comfortable shifting laterally into this position over here. There's a kind of agility to Yeah, which I I think honestly is more, uh, a more healthy uh, preparation for the way our workforce works right now. People, the lateral move is increasingly common. Yep. And a degree that prepares you for that, I think, is is more of an asset. Where do you do you think we're still in like the moment where that sounds like the um, would you like fries with that jobs? Like I feel like mm-hmm. that was really uh, a thing, wasn't it? Rush Limbaugh that made like a famous, you know, like all the guys standing outside of um, oh man, what was that um, strike? Uh, uh-huh. Man, I don't remember. Okay, where it was like, oh, I bet they're all liberal arts students, right? Right. Yeah. Where did that kind of change was i mean i i assume in the way you would talk about it is that the liberal arts degree has been a thing for a long time and yeah is sort of the education of a lot of the greats yeah where did it kind of change into at least perception wise yeah oh that's that's the barista job so i mean you, you have a couple of different moments um the the land grant university movement through the u.s in the like 1890s and then again i think because University of Idaho was like 1890 or 91. That was one of the land-grant universities. And okay. what it was, was this push to add the technical degrees because yeah. you've got you've got this newly expanding nation. Okay. So we need engineers and farmers and whatnot. Right. Um, but what that started to do is give you this idea that, um, that a degree is needed for a skill. And so it's at this time, you also have the home ec degree that starts where it's like, women, if you want to be a wife, you actually have to have a college degree <sighs> in order to do- yeah. And, okay. and, and it was just this kind of hilarious, um, I mean, I was driving down the freeway in like Phoenix, um, a couple of weeks ago and there was this big sign for, I don't know which school, but it just said their slogan was, we have a degree for that. And it, and it really cracked me up because it's like the, the idea that the universities are looking at the workforce and they're seeing all these people doing these jobs and then they're hustling to try to get in front of them yeah. and say, and create the degree that apparently is the pathway that you need to get to there. Right. Which is. I just think really, really funny, but I think that the other thing that really, um, that really, um, turned the volume up on that is, um, federal money. So, and and here's why with, as soon as you have federal funding of education, and this started with the GI bill in, uh, after world war II, um, when you, when you, when you had federal funding for those degrees initially as the GI bill, then the next, the next logical step was 
Um, and now we need accountability from those schools that our money has been well spent. So then you started to have um, this real pressure on schools to demonstrate immediate profitability of particular degrees. Okay. And you, and you create this expectation that this degree will get you that job and, and it will give you this certifiable set of skills and it will give you that job. And therefore you have a return on the investment, the ROI. Yep. And it's like, um, uh, Doug, uh, tells this joke about, um, okay, you've got a, um, a guy, um, uh, walking at night and he, and he sees a guy on his hands and knees under a, a street light. And he's like, Hey, you know, what's the matter? And he's like, oh, I dropped my keys. And so he stops to, to help him look for his keys. They look for forever. And he's like, man, are you sure you dropped him here? And the guy says, Oh no, I, I dropped him over there. And he points to a, a dark spot, a hundred feet off. He's like, well, why are we looking here? And he said, well, cause the light's better. Um, it's a good one, <laughs> but, but there is something, yeah. there is something about that where, um, I think this is how we have a, we have a tendency to use data like this, yep. where, where, when you can come up with, um, like you'll see this in marketing where, where people don't want to put money on something that they can't show data that those, that that yes. worked. Right. Whereas a, let's say you put a, um, you know, 10 grand over here and you, and you really move the needle, but you couldn't come up with the data to show. And then let's say over here, you can put 10 grand and you move the needle half as much, but the data was really clear. Like the yep. click traceable yep. was really clear. It's funny how people will gravitate to that because the light's better. Uh, and, <laughs> right, right. and you'll see this with um, education money where like when you can show like in some like really clear, um, you know, PowerPoint presentation, this degree does this, then, and then that pulls people in that direction, even though it's, it's um, largely not true and is missing a bunch of other really important things. It's just that the light's not good yep. on those other places. And then I think then the, the last, um, the last thing that happened is, um, student loans. So, um, I'm going to talk you as a 17 year old into coming to my school, okay. which means you're going to have to go, let's say $120,000 into debt right. on student loans, which is a hilarious, I mean, student loans, it's like the only debt you can get by, you qualify for it by showing that you have no possible means to repay this. Right. right. You know, I have no money, therefore I qualify for this enormous debt. Right. So how do you get a kid to sign up for that? Well, if you, from a marketing perspective, can show with good light, um, no, 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 you're going to get this degree, which translates to this career, which translates to this salary, then you can show this ROI. And then everybody thinks this is a responsible decision to take that debt on because you've shown that ROI trail. Yep. Um, so I, I think it, I think though the, the federal money has really made us want to pretend Got that it. there's this clear trail. I think it's largely mythological. I think yep. that if you actually do the data, you'll find that it's, it's not so right. clear that that ROI is there, but the mythology serves both the government and the colleges. Yep. So we, it's what dominates and has seemingly like gotten into. I assume that's one. It's a popular thing you talk to parents about. Christian parents that are probably at church every Sunday that probably also think in these ways. It's just so. Yeah. Well, I think I think that that's really when one of the problems is that um, from a Christian perspective, if you get Christians, if you ask them to think critically about higher ed, their only critique is financial. There's there's the Dave Ramsey critique of student loans, which yeah. is totally valid. I, yeah. I'm not arguing with it at all. But that's the sole critique they have. They don't 
they don't go into the actual education. And so what you have is um, Christians opting out of education, of higher education, which means opting out of being educated people, yep. thinking critically, thinking clearly, and they're opting out of it all because they think that they're they're applying a Christian worldview to education, but all they're doing is tackling the finances, and there's a whole bunch more going on in higher ed right. that they're missing. One of the things you guys have introduced this year that I think is really exciting and is the halls. Yes. So New St. Andrews halls. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about why and what it is? Yeah. So we've introduced the hall system, which is um, a, um, our goal is to, is to be a growing school. So uh, we'd like to grow, um, um, hard to say where, where, where that growth stops, but we're, we're looking to grow. However, if you talk to an NSA student or an NSA grad, one of the first things they'll say is uh, you need to not grow um, because being in a small little school yep. was the essence of what it meant to be at NSA. And it was so cool that we were distinct from all the other schools. So if we're going to grow, I think we have to subdivide uh, okay. in order to keep that small familiarity. So right now the halls are these extracurricular associations that the students belong in. They compete with one another with, uh, you know, each um, hall has a rugby team. Okay. As a girls volleyball team, uh, they compete in choir, they compete in drama. And eventually what we'd like to see is those halls, then actually the academic program to live inside of those halls so that they essentially become colleges Okay, uh, that could be. So basically what you would have is you would have um, your own little college that would feel just like the NSA of today, a small little, less than 200 student wow. um, body of, of students gathered together with all of your instructors around you where you can live like NSA is now. Only now you have the benefit of your arch rival nemesis slash sister college, you know, across the street. Um, I, I think that um, I want to stay small, but I do think that competition is just always really good. It's really good when you have to compete with others. Yep. And I want to bring in that kind of competitive spirit. So I imagine, especially to Americans, the thing that like comes, the thing that immediately strikes me is like, oh yeah. Hogwarts does that, yeah, that's right? right. Yeah. Um, but it's not quite that. You were even saying like, no, th those will be their own schools. Like it's a little mm, closer yeah. to something like Oxford. Yeah. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about like, so what translate that to like an American who knows nothing of that? It's yeah, not Harry so, Potter, but so, it's- So what happened, like in the American university, you do have colleges, but your colleges are associated with your degree specialty, college okay. of engineering, college of education. It. It's just where those special classes are. Um, in the old, um, In the old medieval system, and this is how Oxford and Cambridge still are, but this is how all of the medieval universities, Heidelberg and all these others would be. You would have these little colleges and the colleges tended to be funded by like a guild or something like that, where you could all send your students um, to this college. And then and it, they lived in that college with their instructors. That's where they took all their classes and whatnot. And it's still like this at Oxford where um, so for instance, I was at Christchurch was my college okay. and you'd have Modelin and All Souls and all these different colleges, new college, but then you have the university and the university is this overarching administrative structure, okay. but the university administers the exams. So you would take your classes in the college, but you would go to the university for your exams. Okay. And then the university grants the degree and it allows, like I said, um, you, you have these little colleges where you're all close to all the people in your colleges and you have sports that you play, you know, like I rowed for my college okay. for Christchurch and it was a huge deal. Like when there was a rowing race, the, the whole town is there along the okay. Thames and it's a big, big deal. <laughs> okay. Um, but, um, 
And then you take your classes um, if you're an undergrad in the college and, and whatnot. One of the reasons why I would like to do this with NSA is it allows you to have that tight, small little community yep. with that competitive spirit, but you also get the economy of scale where your administration, your financial and whatnot, you can float that on yep. top of these different colleges. And I think that it it's more uh, financially responsible long-term. Got it. Do you see those halls that hopefully turn into their own colleges, will they be distinct in terms of anything, you know? Like academic specialties? Academic specialties I, or? Well, so I, I so no, okay. um, each college would give its own, it would give the same liberal arts degree that we're currently giving. I would feel pretty strongly about the need to lean against the professionalization of the undergraduate degree. And I restrict that to the undergraduate degree. I think at the grad level, it makes sense to professionalize, but there's something that we're doing with our undergraduate degree that I think would be destroyed if it could become specialized. Got it. Um, So that generalist undergraduate degree, we would all be giving the same thing, which allows for that overarching university structure, the Latin exam that the university gives is the same. Everybody's taking that. Yeah. So. That also allows for that competition to happen. You know, who's got the best Latin teacher, that, yep. that sort of thing. So yep. the competition is there for the faculty as much as it is for the students, which I think is awesome, uh, really good. Yeah. So I didn't know if there was any kind of, uh, like I said, I think everybody oh. immediately is going to be like, is there like a sorting hat that's going to tell me I'm sort of yeah. malicious, but I'm good. You know, <laughs> right. So, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, the, the whole, the, the, the difficulty is that whole Hogwarts thing does come out of the English boarding school okay. tradition, which parallels in some degree what was going on in the universities. We're copying the universities. We're not copying the boarding school. Got it. But there's some of that. They're like, yeah, you're going to, the, the sorting hat jokes, yeah. you can't. Can't get away from. You can't get away from <laughs> yeah. it. You can't. I think it'll help more when they're distinct colleges. Yep. Yeah. I think that, that helps them more. Right now they're, they're halls. But, uh, no, they would all have the same degree. Now, I do think that they're going to, I mean, this is true at Oxford where each college starts to get its own little- Personality. Um, and, yeah. Yep. Like Christchurch where I was, was I didn't know this. I had to pick a college and I just, I knew that Sir Philip Sidney had gone to Christchurch. I was like, if, if it was good <laughs> enough for Sir Philip Sidney, it's good enough for me. Yeah. Right. So I picked Christchurch and I showed up there and it's like, Christchurch is known as being hyper-exclusive not because they're all like academically amazing. It's like really snotty rich kids. And so Perfect. the the wealth and the privilege and yeah. the whatnot, I mean, yeah. it's kind of over the top sure. there. So did you, you just took your motorcycle in there and yes. just, you know, tore it up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Knocked down some mailboxes. Right yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, thank you so much. Yep. Thanks Sounds for having awesome. me. Cheers. 